Hi, everyone. This is Dallin Wortham with the Charter School Connection podcast. I'm really excited for this episode. Um, I actually drive by this school frequently when I go take my toddler rock climbing, and I've heard so many good things in the charter school community here in Utah. And to have this guest, these guests on the podcast is a huge honor. But before I introduce them, I want to thank our sponsors, Charter Connect. Obviously, they are great at boosting enrollment for charter schools nationwide and their new enrollment software, Enrolio, which automates enrollment for charter schools. So without further ado, I'd like to introduce our guests, Susan Patton and Dr. Michelle Tanner from the drumroll, the Utah School <laughs> for the Deaf and Blind. Um, Susan is the Associate Superintendent of the Blind, and Michelle is the Associate Associate Superintendent of the Deaf. So welcome to the show. Glad to be Glad here. To be here. <laughs> so yeah, let's um, start off with you two, just how you both kind of found yourself in the world of education and specifically the charter school world. And then we'll dive a little bit into your school and what makes your school so awesome and unique. So let's go ahead and start just with Susan. I just picked at random. So Susan, <laughs> tell us a little bit how you got involved in education. Um, well, I, uh, I feel like, of course, we've all been in education in some way or another for throughout our life, but my family, actually, all, all of my family members are in education as far as our teachers of, in some capacity or in administration. So I kind of grew up in that, in that uh, world. However, when I, um, in my early 20s, I had just had my first daughter and I became an intervener, which is a paraeducator that works one-on-one -on -one with a student with deaf blindness. Um, and after that, and works for the school for the, uh, the Utah School for the Deaf and the Blind. And, you know, it just uh, captured me. I have to say it just captured me. I, I really didn't have a goal of, of being in the, the uh, field of uh, blind, visually impaired or deaf blind. And I just found it fascinating as far as the way our students were learning. Um, and then I became a teacher of the deaf blind um, until 2014, when I became the director of deaf blind services at the School for the Deaf and the Blind. And then in 2020, became the, the associate superintendent of the School for the Blind. So that's that was my journey. So again, it just wow. I landed here out of luck for me um, and uh, have absolutely loved the journey. Fantastic. That, <laughs> thank you for that introduction. And uh, Michelle, if you could give us a little bit of insights on how you got to where you are. Uh, yeah, I actually was majoring in art. So all my life, <laughs> I've been doing art since I was like five years old. Dad thought I had a talent. So he sent me to private classes and all that jazz. I got to college and I was majoring in art. Mm -hmm. And uh, they took us back to square one. This is how you draw a line. This is how watercolor goes. And <laughs> I was like, oh man, I don't know if I can do this. So one, sem one semester term, I think it was at the time of term, I decided I was going to take a different class. I took a sign class is what <laughs> I took. And at the same time, I was taking a communications class. And that's important because in the communications class, I had to interview someone in the, from the major I was intended to, which was art. It was an illustrator. I wanted to paint those things at posters that are on at movie theaters. That's what my intention was. I had an airbrush and I've been doing that for a while. Anyway, um, I went to his office and Susan will understand this. It was a mess. <laughs> <laughs> it was a mess. I looked at that and thought, oh, that's not good. <laughs> and he explained to me it was feast or famine. And I thought, oh no, that's not the life Michelle's living. I don't like feast or famine. 
And so uh, I had that going on and I was taking this class that I just loved. I was taught by a deaf person and she was great. Well, I took a, some time off, um, had some children. And then uh, when I decided to go back to school, the first class I signed up for was um, actually it was a sewing class and a sign language class. And just to kind of slow my, um, get myself back introduced to that because I had children at the time. And so I, I um, got involved in the sign classes. I had decided my major was education at that point because I had run into my husband's um, brother is autistic and I found I enjoy teaching. Wow. And so I, um, I started to do that. So I was majoring in special ed, but then my son, the teacher that was teaching sign class, I remember she said to me, um, you know, Michelle, it's been a while and <laughs> our sign classes, this is at Utah State, our sign classes are a bit more rigorous than those other ones. And in my mind, I thought, game on. Game on. <laughs> That's so me. I went game on. So I started down, I started, I finished, I started doing elementary ed and special ed for my bachelor's uh, degrees and then um, decided to add the minor of deaf education. Wow. So I, I finished those degrees. And then um, at that time, deaf education had grants for uh, people going into those fields. So I was looking forward to that. And I, at that time had three children. And so I thought, okay, that'll be great. I'll keep going. But they didn't get the grant that year. The grant did not work out. And I thought, I can't do that to my children. So I went and taught regular ed for about a year, for the year, the next school year, uh, because I didn't have the grant. They called me back in spring of that year and said, hey, Michelle, we've got the grants. I remember it being a real struggle to decide to go back because I had a great job. I was loving life. I did not have the typical first year experience. I had a great time. <laughs> and I, and I had, I had a resource class. I had a resource slash regular ed class as I had the two degrees and so they were trying to take advantage of that. So I had both classes. I had a great time. And I remember thinking, oh, I don't know, but what it landed on was I didn't want to look back on life and say, I wonder what if, mm -hmm. so I did it. So I got a, a master's degree in deaf education and it's been the road less traveled. It was awesome. Wow. And I've, I've been, a, I was a teacher for 15 years, uh, moved into the principal role at our Salt Lake campus for um, almost three years. And then since that time, I've been in this role as the associate superintendent of the deaf and love every minute wow. of this field. This field is amazing to me. There is, it's, it's great. We have diff very differing opinions in the field for deaf education. And so that can get a little hot. Uh, but everybody's really passionate. Everybody's committed. And I would say at USDB, both deaf school and blind school, we have the most passionate, committed teachers you could ever find on this planet. I guarantee you that is the case of every one of our educators. Wow. that <laughs> That's a big claim. I love that. Um, I have so many questions and we don't have a lot of time. And I know that we're going to end this podcast with me with thousands of more questions that I won't be able to ask. <laughs> um, so, but that's okay. First off, um, I was at a conference in Boston. It was a marketing conference. And just, I feel like everyone says, oh, French is the most beautiful language. My brother speaks Italian. I speak Spanish at my home. Me and my wife, my wife is from Chile. So we only speak Spanish. And there's always the debate of which language is the most beautiful at this conference in Boston, 
watching the translators, the sign language translators um, do their work, it, I was like, signing is the most beautiful language by far. Like, I don't, I don't know why it's, it's like a sleeper. No one even knows how beautiful it is. And it's not in the conversation, but it was mesmerizing. And so uh, that's fantastic and beautiful. And I love it. So it, ha but, it has a different dimension. It, does, it has a different dimension than other languages because it's visual. Mm -hmm. So a lot of people are very visual really can really bring out and express what you want to express. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm gonna be I'm gonna be on the side that you know ASL is the most beautiful language. I'm a little <laughs> prejudiced. It is the most it's the third most used language in America. Wow. After English, Spanish and then and then sign language. Wow, that's surprising. I did not know. Yeah. yeah. And well fantastic. Um tell tell me a little bit more about Utah schools for the deaf and blind and um what what you're doing, your mission. And well, I'm just going to leave it right there for a minute. I'm not going to, because I have five more questions that I was about to tag on. Let's just start there. Tell us a little bit about your school, how it started. Um, and then we'll, we'll go from there. You want me to start there, Susan? Uh, sure. You can start and then I can go on. I can tag right, on. So we started in 1884. We predate statehood. It was <laughs> really, it was, yeah, we were here before this, the, the state existed. And so um, it was the deaf school that started out. We had some people that were traveling, teachers wow. of the deaf, who went and started schools all across the nation. And so they just started out east and moved west. And so we started in 1884. And then the I blind school kidding. joined us. No, I'm not. And then the blind school joined us in 1896. And they gave with us property. Statehood. Yeah, with statehood when it became okay. a state. So Holy we've been cow. together for quite some time. And um yeah, Susan, do you want to start with the mission piece? It's like spoken. Well, I think, um, you know, the school for the uh, deaf and blind, we are one school and we are very unified in how we want to support one another as far as the school for the deaf and the school for the blind. But mm -hmm. our mission, the, our missions are very different because we okay. are a sensory loss school. But as you can imagine, um, my part of the school or our part, the school for the blind is visual and vision loss and deaf blindness. And Michelle's is uh, deaf and hard of hearing. And so we have to approach things very differently and the needs are very different. So um, at the School for the Blind, um, our mission is to enrich the lives of blind visually impaired student acro students across the entire state of Utah and to um, improve the accessibility of uh, materials for the, the students. That, that's a huge part of um, of the School for the Blind's mission and uh, our, our students, because of the vision, the vision loss um, and deaf blindness, they they lack accessibility to a lot of virtual platforms because uh -huh. those are all, you know, those are vis visual. Um, a, a lot of things that that are their sighted peers are able to access, our students are not. And when I say our students, the School for the Blind um, serves all charter schools in the state of Utah and our, our school districts who that are smaller and medium-sized school districts. The larger school districts can contract with us to serve. Um, they also have their own teachers of the visually impaired who are extremely qualified and we work with them as well. But the School for the Blind, uh, we, we need to reach all of those students regardless of who is providing the services to provide enrichment activities and um, enrich and educate those students um, and provide accessibility and resources for, for the students and the parents. Um, 
So I would say that that's our that's our biggest mission. Our our mission is wow. to enrich the lives statewide, regardless if they're receiving direct services for the from the school for the blind. So from Blanding to St. George to Logan, yes, wow, the Mexican hat, right, and um, places and you don't even know. Holy and our teachers, hell. our itinerant teachers, um, uh, our deaf blind services actually serves all districts and charter schools statewide. Um, and then our TVI, our teachers of visually impaired services and orientational ability services, those are the areas that are the most critical. And so we have teachers that are traveling a full day to see a student and back a full day. And so the resources that it that it uh, takes to serve those students in an appropriate way and make sure that they, again, have the same accessibility that their sighted peers have is, is a real a real challenge. Wow. And as Michelle said, our teachers are truly extraordinary people in that they do whatever it takes. And sometimes, not sometimes, Michelle and I have the, uh, the task of saying, we need to back it up just a little bit because you're burning out. Um, yep. and, and they they can't gauge that because they're so passionate about what they're doing. So they might be up all night brailing something that the student needs the next day wow. where because they want that student to have what's needed that that their sighted peers are getting. So the that's a very love. roundabout way of I didn't I didn't state our, our our exact mission statement or a vision statement, which we certainly have, but that's that's what we are trying to do right now. Yeah, it's a labor of love. I think that's how you describe it. That's why they give their heart and soul. Yeah. They do love to serve these children. It's not, it's not like we're cracking any whip. They love it. Yeah. Right. Again, we we sometimes have to say, you we've got to hold back just a little bit. Yeah. yeah. And provide some more support somehow, which is difficult. And this is grades pre-K to 12. Um so zero. We actually have we actually have our parent in program which is um, ages zero to three uh, for both the deaf, the deaf school and the blind school. And then at age three, they go into the, the children go into preschool and uh, we serve the school age kids through high school. And then we also have post high programs through age 22. So from zero to 22, uh, we, we are involved in their lives. So how many students more or less do you service in the state of Utah? Okay, there's so, about three thousand, uh, just about yeah. three thousand, wow. and those services that that could be um, those those are services. So that could be one student who might have who might be deaf blind who is receiving hearing services, vision services, or oh, that number is five thousand. That oh, number is yeah, five thousand. That's wow. five thousand. So yeah. we, there, there's multiple services from the School for the Deaf and the Blind uh, that could be that could be ser um, providing services for one student. Wow. Yeah, so depending on the tense needs of the student, right. I mean, I, I have students that, okay, for example, any student across the state, we provide the audiological services to them, which is testing their hearing, hearing aids and all that stuff. And, but then we come in, we have teachers of the deaf that come in to serve the students. And then sometimes, uh, depending on the student needs, depending on if a student is a, one that uses spoken language or one that uses ASL, that will be the determining factor. If they use ASL and they're in a classroom in a regular ed school or a charter school, then we provide an interpreter mm -hmm. and we send an interpreter into their classroom. So that, that one student could get three services right there that I described. If they're deaf blind, they get even more than that. Wow. Holy yes. cow. And... I'm I'm so curious. Could you 
tell me a little bit about what someone would receive at age zero in regards to teaching and services? Sure, we serve the families. So that's what we're, and zero to three is mostly focused on families. So it's an wow. individualized family service plan, IFSP. So the focus is supporting the family. So we go in and we provide services to uh, the family, the mom, the dad. On my on my end, it's a parent infant advisor, a parent infant advisor. There's like a they call a PIP advisor, who goes in and teaches lessons to the parent about how to interact with their baby, things to make language better. So we focus a lot on language, and if the parent's interested in uh, learning American Sign Language, and we hope they are, then we also send what's called a deaf mentor in there. And so the deaf mentor is a, a role model, a deaf role model so that the parent gets to meet, interact with, and be taught by a deaf person teaching them ASL. And we also do all the, we, we assist with audiological services on my end. And then um, Susan's got some different, slightly, uh, well, obviously the different types of service patterns than mine. So our, what we do, uh, we, we do go in the homes because by, by law, we are required to serve the child in their natural setting, which is typically their home, home environment um, from birth to three. Our, our service providers are going in and providing um, lessons in, again, accessibility, how to um, uh, teach the, a child who does not have access to their distant senses, their distant senses be, sense being their vision. How do you teach a child with tactile, uh, through their tactile means or their hearing? Maybe that's their, their best uh, learning mode. The other part of that that's big is not just the instruction piece, it's the support to the parents yeah. and the parents, um, as you can imagine, are very, very overwhelmed. Um, they don't know how to navigate through yeah. this new world. And it, it's important that our service providers are providing some of that emotional support. And typically our providers become very close to those parents. Um, and I think that that is the most important thing that we provide those parents is not only the access to uh, the instruction and, and all of the content that they need to know, but also also the the emotional support um, to to for them to be able to communicate what their concerns are because if you think about it, a lot of times they're not able to express their concerns to other family members or other people in their support network because they don't understand what's happening and what's going on. So, um, and again, our providers, they're all teachers as well. Um, they all have their teaching license and they that's just an extra thing that they have to provide that they're so very good at. Yeah. I, I don't know what to say uh, because I'm, I have a toddler and then I also have a one-year-old and I'm just thinking, I'm already overwhelmed and not being <laughs> right <laughs> or or not being able to show you know my newborn something um like that right I'm so thankful like I'm gonna sleep better tonight knowing that there's people like you and services that you know people offer to parents who <laughs> would be completely overwhelmed I wouldn't know what to do um that's <laughs> yeah. special I it's because we love them. Honestly, yeah, we do. It's not that it's not like what I mean, it takes a while. The our teachers, but our professionals, both in the school for the deaf and the school for the blind, are usually masters prepared teachers. Yes. So it's it's a highly specialized field to get into. So you know there's shortages in elementary ed, and then you have even more shortages in special ed. 
Well, it gets really hard to find positions for, for ours because when they come, they usually stay, but right. it takes a while to get here. It takes a lot of experience. And like for my school, they often think, oh, I just, I'm a teacher and I learn sign. There's a lot more than that. You have, there's a lot more that you learn more about language deprivation and how to mitigate that, filling in gaps in language and things like that. For, for us, it's a language discussion. Mm -hmm. It's a lot of language stuff for us. And I would say for us, um, Michelle, kind of, we kind of piggyback on each other so as far with each other as far as questions are concerned. Yeah. And, but um, and and for us, it's we we're serving kids who have multiple disabilities or have very complex issues, um, uh, more than just vision loss. They might have physical disabilities, cognitive disabilities. And then we, we're serving the students who just have or the children who just have a vision loss and then everywhere in between. Um, and so our teachers, uh, it's not just one specific thing that they're learning. It's not just special ed either, because they've got to have that vision right. expertise uh, and, and really on a master's level or a deaf blind endorsement on a master's level where we're looking wow. at a, a variety of disabilities and they have to, um, you know, make that so that it's very specific to that one child and that family or that school team. So mm -hmm. it, it, it takes a great deal of expertise. And like Michelle said, we, we typically keep um, teachers of the, of the blind and visually impaired. And I would say that for USDB and other school districts, but it's a challenge getting, getting people um, because it, there's a lot of education that goes into it. And then there's, it's a very intense uh, field. Yeah. Whew. Holy cow. <laughs> I'm so overwhelmed with all the questions that I have. Um, I'm very, very inspired by everything that you've said, though. Um, and I'm just trying to put myself in the shoes of these educators that are masters in their field. And they do it out of love and compassion and and for their passion. And I'm thinking not only are are you teaching people from zero to 22, but you're also teaching a variety of different topics and skills. And then like you, I would assume that you would maybe teach someone differently if they've been um, blind or deaf their whole life compared to someone that maybe just recently lost their vision or lost right. their hearing, but there may be a teenager and being able to give that emotional support to them and their family. It's, you're spinning so many plates <laughs> and- you know, what? When, when I meet these parents and I talk to these parents and they're going through the grieving process in some regards, one of the, and I say some regards because the, of course I've been in this field for a while, but I usually say to them, congratulations. I mean that genuinely and heartfelt yeah. congratulations. You are on a journey that's different than everybody else's journey, but I promise you it's just as beautiful, just as enriching and you will be a better person for it. You will enjoy this journey if you just savor it. So it's, a, it's yeah, just embrace it. Love it. Because it, actually, it's a good journey. These kids are not, they're not less than. They're not. Wow. They are just as rich and beautiful as any other child out there. Of course. Wow. And we just, it's our job as educators um, to figure out the best way that, they're that our students are learning. Mm -hmm. That's our job. You know, the parents can provide input because they're there with the students. They know the student better than anybody. 
But as far as responsibility, I feel like that's our job to um, make sure that we are training the parents and schools and the students in um, in vision loss or accessing accessing their world. One thing about the blind visually impaired, we have what's called the expanded core curriculum which is nine areas that we are required by law, but a lot of people don't know that, um, to teach students who are blind, visually impaired, and deafblind on top of the core curriculum. So on top of what other students are learning, we teach things um, like uh, social skills and things that kids are missing in their environment. If you think about walking into a room, you are getting so much information if you've never been in that room before mm -hmm. um, for just a lecture or whatnot, or just to meet new people, you're getting so yeah. much information as far as how many people are in that room, what's the, what's the uh, where's the location of the door, where am I going to sit? You're getting facial expressions. We have to teach those things to our kids of how to access those things and how to advocate for themselves um, as far as, can you tell me who's here? Can you tell me, you know, ask people to know, let them know when they're leaving or tell them their name or, you know, who's speaking to me. Um, it's just, those are the kind of things that we, that we teach, but it's, it's a really um, a world uh, that expands, it's expanded core, but it's a world that expands. And when we are teaching families, those, th those things, they look at everybody in a different way as far as being empathetic yeah. to everybody and their individual yeah. needs as well. Yeah, wow. I am not saying that it's, well, it must be really hard and it must take a toll, but I can't even imagine the reward and the, just the reward of having a shift in your paradigm and your perspective for students who are deaf or blind, or if you are a teacher of the deaf or of the blind, just the shift in how you view the world and experience it. And that, like you said, that must be beautiful to really be able to just view something with a different, from a different perspective, or I, I'm having a hard time explaining it, myself. I'm just is, blown away. Um, so like in, in the deaf world, like they, they learned deaf people are so good at adapting to this hearing world that's around them, that's not always um, accommodating to them. So you, I, I've just watched them. I can't even imagine my life without deaf people in it because they've taught wow. me much more than I've ever taught them because mm. I, I see the world through their eyes and their patience, perseverance, and I see their frustrations too. Mm. And yeah, it is, wow. it's, it's a good way to start broadening your lens. Yeah, holy cow. Um, and I also think along those lines, as far as it being a beautiful thing, it certainly is. Um, but it also goes back to how we should be treating people anyway. Yeah. Um, with the yes. utmost respect, no matter what their, uh, you know, what their abilities are or their personality, um, it really does boil down to how would I, what would I be in that situation? What would I want to know? What do I want to know now? Our students want friends. Our students want to do things that all of the other kids in the world are doing. They have to do them in a different way. And that could be a student with very complex needs. It's in a wheelchair with cognitive issues along with a sensory issue. And it really, we really just have to remember, it comes down to treating people 
in a very respectful way, everybody. Well, that, yeah, I'm, I'm blown away. And uh, for anyone wondering, it's your passion, the both of you are showing your passion for what you do, because this is where it's almost 5pm on a Friday. <laughs> so the fact that you're just doing that shows how passionate you are and how passionate your staff and students are. Um, because we are closing up on and running out of time, unfortunately, which <laughs> it pains me to say because I'm so interested. Um, the people that will be listening to this are charter school leaders and administrators and maybe some parents and maybe some students. What would you like to tell them? What insights or stories or anything? Do you have anything on the top of your mind that you would like for them to know to maybe implement in their school or in their teaching? I've, number one thing, we're here. Yes, we are here, and we are we are here to support charter schools. There is no cost. We want yeah. to help, um, and sometimes they don't know we're there because they don't have a deaf child or a blind child or a deaf blind child for a long period of time because that's why they're considered low incidence disabilities, and so they don't remember that we're here. But I think the number one thing I want charter schools to know is we're here. We want to help. We want to be a part of your team and be that support. It's a part, we talk about continuum of services. We are a part of that. And we can help bring some strength and power to your team at a charter school. Just let us know. Well, and I, I would echo that, that we are here. And, you know, we're also very anxious to talk to people who may not have a student with a sensory loss in their, in their school, but might want some more information. Um, and uh, we, we would be more than happy to, to answer those questions and at least give our contact information or website or whatnot so that when they do um, have a student with sensory issues that they know who to reach out to. Um, and we collaborate well with charter schools. Um, sometimes a charter school might choose not to, um, not to uh, go with the school for the deaf and the blind, which is fine. But like Michelle said, we are always here. And um, we also, the charter schools that we work with, and I think that I, I would say that the vision, uh, the blind side probably works with a few more charter schools just because we're more of an outreach program. Um, the charter schools that we are that we work with are excellent collaborators with us um, as far as problem solving for, with students and also bringing up problems that the Utah that the school for the blind is not aware of that we need to do better on and so we're anxious to collaborate with with charter schools. Awesome. And we have equipment they can use to. That's the yes. other thing that charter schools do. It's not just services that we offer. We have equipment. Equipment That's for cool. the child to awesome. be successful. For for example, on my side, we put in um, what they call assistive listening devices. People might know them better as FM systems, although that's old. We don't use FM technology, guys. <laughs> we're, we're beyond this, but the name is stuck. But we put those in the classrooms to make sure that the children can hear their instructor better. They bring down Braille equipment and things of yes. that nature, note takers. And so we have equipment too that also assists uh, the charter schools in being successful. Awesome. Very, very cool. Thank you for sharing that. Everyone that's listening can learn more about your services by like what you said, just going to your website, usdb.org. Um, is there any other way that they can reach out to you? Anything that you'd like to plug before we wrap up? I think the best our, way is the website. Yeah, we both have, of our we have our con yeah. is right it's on, on there. there. Yeah. Best cool. Um, so usdb.org or... Um, 
their social medias, Utah School Deaf Blind on Instagram, but fantastic. Um, anything else before we wrap up? Thank you for this opportunity. We always like to spread the word and 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 put the awareness of, of USDB out there. No, thank you. I'm <laughs> I feel like I, I owe you both a lot for all the insights and and whatnot. It's definitely opened my perspective, even after such a short conversation. So thank you so much. Um, everyone go check out usdb.org to learn more about what they do. And uh, have a great weekend, my friends. Thank you. See you.